You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast. And although it was another tough, tough result, the Ottawa Senators were oh so close, but not close enough. As I'm joined by Jack Richardson, you know him from the Future Sickos podcast and writer for Dine Sports. Jack, the Senators now sit at five straight losses, three of those in uh, uh, just one goal games. And as we were talking about before, all of their losses essentially are one goal games if you take out the empty net they scored against them. Coming right right off the top, what's your vibe of the Ottawa Senators after this game? I mean, it, it is con- it's a confusing time to be an Ottawa Senators fan. It sucks. It sucks. I, I mean, I'd rather this obviously than them getting pounded five one every night. But this is uh, this is a different kind of pain. Like they're right there, but at the same time, it feels so far. And and I mean, I don't know what's going to happen first: DJ Smith getting canned or. Uh, the Sen scoring a six on five goal because they, they just can't, they can't play. And there's so many little factors here uh, that, that are bothering me. And, and it's, it's just killing the vibe, you know, it's a good Saturday night. I was excited. Like we've got a lot to talk about anyway, but man, it's, it just kills the vibe, a five game losing streak. Like the losing streak is longer than how many wins they have. And it's yeah. November 5th. Like we're, we're in November territory again here is like, just like last year. Uh, so the vibe is low. The November territory is a sad, sad spot for Sens fans recently. The uh, the seasonal depression hitting extra hard here. But let's quickly go through the scoring summary of this game as the Ottawa Senators lose 2-1 to one at home to the Philadelphia Flyers. Things were looking good to start off. I mean, the hockey gods were smiling on the Ottawa Senators and Claude Giroux, his very first game up against the Philadelphia Flyers. He played exactly 1,000 games with them and had 900 points. And then he scores his 300th goal three minutes in. That You're thinking, all right, the vibes are good. That, that crowd looks like a full barn. They must have been rocking. And then that ends up being the lone Ottawa Senators goal and... It's really too bad because it seemed like the Ottawa Senators had a bunch of momentum. And the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, they're held shotless for most of the first period. They get a power play. They win the draw. Right off the draw, Tony D'Angelo sends it towards the net. Kevin Hayes gets the tip and one shot, one goal. We're tied up. All that momentum is kind of dead. And then the Flyers kind of picked things up and uh, they showed a little bit more fight. But overall, I really felt that the Ottawa Senators dominated this game and Zach McEwen later on, I thought Cassidy had a great block shot. He blocks a slap shot in the shoulder. And that was after we saw that clip online of uh, DJ frustrated with Cassidy not being able to block the shot before. Well, he blocks the shot with his shoulder and then the loose puck goes to Zach McEwen and he rips one upstairs. Not much Cam Talbot can do there. And that's it. That's the end of the game, essentially, at uh, in the second period. It's 2-1 Flyers at that point. Jack, did you really feel that there was an opportunity for the Senators to at least send this game to overtime with that uh, goalie pulled? They, f- they first pulled Talbot with two and a half minutes left. I thought for the most part they had sustained pressure. They had good chances, scrambles in front. What was your kind of uh, bel- belief meter there? Like, were you fully bought in or are you thinking it's going to be another uh, I- not ideal outcome like it's been every time the Ottawa Senators pulled their goalie? Look, I feel like it's not uh, ideal that we can analyze so many six on fives early yeah. in the season, right? Like they've had so many. So I'd say based on what we've seen, yeah, it was a good one. Like they're uh, getting chances. They were moving the puck around and like they had their looks. I mean, I mean, uh, they were giving Shabbat and Giroux room up top to move it, which helps because 
you know, we'll get into Shabbat a little bit, I feel like, but uh, his, his, he takes time up top sometimes. And, and it was, it was helping them on the six on five, but I'd say the, the turning point or not, maybe not a turning point, but their chance was all those power plays they got. And they had a lot in the second period that just kind of sunk the team. Over um, five at the end of the game. Over five is, is just not going to cut it. And when you're playing a team like Philly who loves to block shots and, and, you know, I'll give them credit. Like they just put the body on the line tonight and they're not just like blocks off sticks. Like these are playoff caliber, John Tortorella blocks. Like they're, uh, they're hard to like, they clog the middle of the ice really well. So it was hard to come by a bit of offense, but I mean, it felt like they had opportunities where the puck just like didn't settle for them or whatever. And then I'm thinking of that to opportunity, great pass for Batherson and just a little bit of a muffin. Like, I don't yeah. know what, what to do. Like that's supposed to be your goal scorer and he's alone in the slot and just, he can't bury it. It really seems like he's squeezing the stick too tight. And I mean, it makes sense. He's got the most shots on this team before uh, heading into this game. He had 47. I guess I can do some quick math here. 47 plus two, 49. So 49 shots and two goals for a 40 goal scorer. One of the most elite snipers in the entire league. And it's not like he hasn't had good scoring chances. Like I think at the start of the season, you could be like, you know what? The Sens aren't getting him in the right spots. He's just throwing the puck on net. That's not the case anymore. Alex Dabrinka is getting grade A scoring chances. He's being put in positions to succeed. And it's just not happening here. Now, I think you mentioned it. Uh, let's get into Tom Shabak quickly here because this is supposed to be your number one defenseman. He's making $8 million. He's been the guy that's propped up this decor almost pretty much his entire career. I mean, Carlson was here a short time at the start of his career. But since Carlson left, it's been Thomas Shabbat and kind of a five misfits just tossed in there with him. And now, now that he has Jake Sanderson and I would say Eric Branstrom has really elevated his game, that's not the case anymore. And Artem Zub, when he's healthy, has really propped things up on the right side here. But it seems like with all this help, he hasn't been able to rise his game. And you mentioned it. I think it's so obvious for all Sens fans that uh, chime in on Twitter. When he has the puck, he's holding it for so long. He's hesitating. And then when he does shoot it, it's not really going anywhere. Guys are getting in lanes. It's too obvious he's going to take that shot. But where are you at with Thomas Shabbat here, Jack? I'm, I'm, I'm losing patience, I think. And, and look, there's a difference, I think, between a guy playing poorly and then just not having confidence. Like I would say Debrinket has the confidence still, uh, but he's he's a little bit, you know, just not clicking right now. And I think for Shabbat, especially tonight, it's just like not I don't know, it's just not his uh game. And usually, I mean he's not a he's not a quick player. He doesn't he doesn't do things very like uh precisely like Sanderson. I was talking to Derek Lee before the game and uh we were talking about Sanderson, like everything's crisp. Like he, he makes the passes hard. He skates fast and he you know, he does everything with urgency. And I feel like sometimes Shabbat just kind of like likes to try and slow the play down. And yeah. that might work sometimes, but this team, they need to play fast. They don't work well when the play is slowed down um, because quite frankly, they set the tone in most of the games they play in so far anyway. So I'm a little bit frustrated. I've got the time on ice up and I think it's it's kind of shocking to see. Like Shabbat I haven't played... looked at this yet, so this will be interesting. Okay, so this is according to ESPN, so I'm pretty sure it's it's as accurate as it can be. Uh, so Shabbat played 24 total minute, 24-41, which is pretty low. Like that's, yeah, that's where, where I want him. Yeah. Uh, Brandstrom played 21-42. Sanderson played 21-31. Hamnick played 16. Holden played 15. And Zaitsev only played 14. Like that's ideal, right? Yeah. 
I think the power plays help with that. So it felt like Zaitsev yeah. and Holden were out there way too much because the other guys were playing on the power play so much. But man, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do because look, I, I don't envy DJ and the coaching staff because you're, this is ideal deployment and time on ice, but Shabbat is just not Thomas Shabbat right now. He does not look good. Uh, and we knew that with Branstrom having a good season and he, he's been great. He was awesome tonight. I thought, um, and Sanderson coming that this team was, or Shabbat was going to have to raise his level because the forwards had already come. Kachuk was getting pushed and Kachuk's raised his level a little bit. Uh, and he, he's been unbelievable, but Shabbat just kind of feel like, I feel like he's taken a step back since last year. I don't know if he's hurt or anything, but, um, I'm not very, I'm running out of patience is, is how I'll put it. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. He needs to be better if this team has any hope, especially with Zub out of the lineup. Uh, so the the glaring thing too is is number twenty two. I mean, we we can't talk about the decor and avoid it. Although, like we mentioned, having him play under fifteen minutes, like if you're gonna have him play at all, you need him on the, You need to be hitting the under on fifteen minutes uh, over under time on ice for number twenty two. But is this like at what point does DJ Smith just have to look himself in the mirror and say? I know I'm trying to get, uh, you know, shut down guys out there. And we got a lot of young guys on this blue line when you look at uh, Sanderson and Brandy playing big minutes. So maybe he's hesitant to bring in JBD as NHL head coaches are. They don't love to just kind of stack everything with young players regardless of where things are at. But is this a point where Pierre Dorian has to kind of step in here and say, look, we brought up JBD. Belleville played two games in a row like we they could have used him there or at the very least you get two more ahl games to develop him he's just sitting on the bench while number 20 or sitting in the press box while number 22 is out there and although this wasn't zaitsev's worst game it certainly was not a good game by any stretch of the imagination so at what point do you think the zaitsev leash has to be fully fully reined in here and uh he can't be playing at all for this team like two years ago. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I guess like, that's a pretty obvious question, but like, do you, do you think, has this been enough that DJ Smith finally won't be playing 22 anymore? Cause JBD is here. He's here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he did say today this morning, he said like when JBD plays, we want it to be a long time. And yeah. I just, what, what frustrates me is they scratch Zaitsev to start the year. And how does one injury result in him being a daily player? Like if he's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Especially to me. With, like if it was the third pair guy that went down sure. and you're like, oh, easy. We slot Zaitsev in there. He takes those third pair minutes. It was the top pair right shot defenseman. So how yeah. does that equate to, oh, we got to keep Zaitsev in now. And, and his, his usage is down, uh, like at least in this game. Um, he was put out a lot more than I thought. You know, he's only ESPN has him at 50 seconds of shorthanded time on ice. That's one shift. So, and you know, Sanderson's two minutes, Holden two minutes, Tamanek two minutes. So, I don't know. Like, yeah. he's just the fact that, that he's playing the least among all the D, uh, but he's still like glaringly terrible should tell us all we need to know. And I, I don't, I also don't understand. Like, they tried to move him this summer from what we understand, yeah. couldn't you know, you waived Matt Murray and a snap call decision because you were pissed last year after you lost like 11 in a row and we're halfway there right now. Uh, so I don't understand why with this one player, you have like this connection to him because yeah. he hasn't been good. He's he's terrible. Like, and I, I pointed out on Twitter because there was, the, I think the, the go-ahead goal for, for uh, Philly and the one that ended up being the winner. 
it was the third pair and it was the fourth line out yep, there caught. It was. Uh, not an ideal scenario, especially on home ice uh, with a long change and everything. And it cuts to Stutzel on the bench and he kicks the boards and he's like, he he's pissed. And he looks down like at the coach, I think. And I don't, I don't want to like put words into their mouths or create this drama, but like, if you're an elite player like Stutzel and there's a guy literally weighing down the team and it's so obvious to everyone involved, how do you not address that if you're Pierre Dorian? It doesn't make any sense. Like you're, yeah, I, I could go on forever about Zaitsev. It's just the fact that they, they for two years now, they've said the rebuild done, we're trying to be competitive and they're throwing this guy out there. I just don't get it. Yeah, especially when uh, like guys like uh, Tim Stutzler and Claude Giroux, I-, I thought they gave 110% effort. Like Those guys were out there yeah. grinding. And then for Zach McEwen, of all guys, to be the I game breaker guy. here, yes, I think oh. most Sens fans would agree with you. But for him <laughs> to be the guy that puts the icing on the cake when your third pair and fourth line is out there, that is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I don't know about you, Jack. I don't know about you guys in the chat, but when the Sens went down 2-1, I was thinking it is time to hammer the Sens money line. Like they are dominating this game. They've got pressure on. The Corsi stats look good. The face-offs, they were winning those battles. They were getting penalties drawn because they were putting too much pressure on. So I made the quick jump to betonline.ag to try to hammer the Sens. I felt pretty good about it, but ultimately it doesn't go that way. But that's how it goes sometimes. But you do know that at betonline.net, you're going to get the best odds, scores, player performance props for all sports. The World Series is going on right now. we got baseball, football, basketball, soccer, golf, boxing, UFC, whatever you like. They got it. So go to the website today, betonline.net, to find all the latest action and use your mobile device too. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, Jack, let's get into uh, this is the least fun when the Sens lose the most fun when they win but let's get into our Sens Central standouts as we do on the postcast and as our guest Jack I will allow you to try to find a send well and no actually I shouldn't say that it's not one of those games like the Sens had guys that were the clicking and uh, giving good effort I think there's one obvious one so I'll quickly pass it over to you and uh, let you take it Jack who is your Sens Central standout I'm going to go with Timmy. Uh, I think, you know, it might be a bit off the board. I'm just looking at the time on ice again. He played 23-34 as a forward. Yeah. Those are hard minutes, and he got an assist on that. He had a nice pass there to to uh, Giroux on his opening goal. Um, I just like what I've seen from him the last two games. You know, a couple – there's times where I think he's stick-handling too much and trying to do too much. But then there's also, you know, for every time that happens once, he'll make four plays where he, like – does this quick turn that I can't yeah. even fathom. You got to take the good with the bad with Timmy. Exactly. Stick and that's, yeah. that's how it goes with elite players, right? It's like Jason Spezza. I think it's oh, kind yeah, of a similar true. relationship, um, but he's, he's just so, he's like 20 years old, you know, like he'll grow into it. Um, and I, I thought he was one of their best players tonight. So I'm going to go with Tim Sisla. Yeah, that was actually, that was my backup guy. Cause I thought you were taking uh, this next guy for sure. Cause I, I thought Timmy did a good job of, and when he was holding onto the puck too long, he didn't just give up on it. Like he he would try to tie up the guy's yeah. stick and push him up against the boards and use his feet and stuff like that. So I thought from that angle, he was good. And he was playing with that kind of Tim Stutzla uh, dynamism. Dynamism? He was dynamic. Uh, I know that that's a word somewhere there. I didn't quite get it. Ross yeah, uses it. I, I missed it on that one. But word of the day. <laughs> whatever that word is. Um, but definitely I thought he he looked like he was giving a full effort out there and it looked like that 
line. I'll, I'll call it the second line, the second line of uh, DeBrinket, Timmy, and Bathurst. it looked like they started to create some chemistry. So that's something you need because I really like the line of um, Brady Kachuk up there with uh, Claude Giroud. Like those two guys together, I think it has been working really well. So that leads me to my sense central standout. It's got to be Claude Giroux. I mean, this guy comes in. He talked about it. It's a weird game for him. You play a 1,000 games uh, up against one team. Sure, he went to Florida, but he didn't play up against Philly when he was in Florida. So this was a weird experience, and it only took three minutes for him to bury one. And I think most people uh, followed followed along going to betonline.ag and having Giroux anytime goal scorer because it seemed like he wanted this one bad. Yeah, you're on that too, Jack. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, it was just it just seemed like it was going to happen. It happens three minutes in. The vibes are high, and I thought overall Giroux played a really good game, and I love that montage that Sportsnet did showing him on the bench. Like it's the best. The, yeah, like if, if yeah. we had money for him to score in this game, the money on the board for the boys in the locker oh. room must have been through the roof. And you could tell Giroux was frustrated and he was he was uh, living and dying with every play that was happening for his team. And he, he looked frustrated out there. And as Claude Giroux does, one of the biggest components why he was brought into this team, 8 for 11 in the face-off dot, good for 73%. So he was doing his thing uh, when he needed to in that aspect. And... I really thought he was going to get another one too. Like he was just all over the place. And uh, I thought Claude Giroux definitely deserved to be a Sen Central standout. Yeah. How about Brady Kachuk? 10 and three or in the, uh, in the draw 10 of 13. Like he, yep. he's, he's having an unbelievable year. What's that? 16 points in 11 games. Uh, yep. I, I think Leading the team as he always does in points. It's crazy. Uh, and I, I think we should give a shout out to Eric Brandstrom too. We talked about him a little yep. bit. Those like are he... going to be my two honorable mentions. Yeah. Go ahead though. Yeah, so I like Brandstrom just like, I don't know. I, I think watching Shabbat struggle mixed with Brandstrom's like uh, his hand eye on the blue line, his, his quick decision making, his feet are quick, way better than last year. Um, it's just comforting. Like I'm, I'm comfortable with him on the blue line now, whereas when Shabbat's back there, I'm nervous. And that's a problem. And, and you know, DJ said this morning he's not worried about Thomas Shabbat, but – Coaches lie all the time, and he's got to be lying there. Like, you can't not be concerned about the way he's playing. And, I mean, the last thing he's going to do is go out and rip Shabbat in the media when he's down. Like, that. I don't think – you know, different guys respond different ways. I don't think Shabbat is the kind of guy where calling him out and singling him out, I don't think that's what's going to get him motivated. So, I don't think that's what's necessary at all. And I think, you know – I'm more of a TSN broadcast guy myself. And uh, when Sportsnet gets on, I kind of find these moments. Like Gary Galley was saying uh, when the Sens power play was on and Brandy was the top guy, he was saying, oh, why don't they have Shabbat on here? Like, he's your number one guy. Like, no offense, but have you been watching the Sens games? Like, Shabbat has not been the number one guy. And I think, and a lot of people, I'll I'll give a shout out to the people last year that were on this train saying, Sure, Brandy hasn't put up the points on the power play, but he has his advanced stats, expected goals, all those things were much higher than Shabbat's were on the power play. And he was able to cycle the puck, have possession, dance along that blue line. And then Gary Galley also mentioned like, oh, not a lot of power from Brandy uh, for that one-timer. Brandy unloaded a couple clappers, if you ask me. Like Shabbat teed him up for some good one-timers. And if it weren't for, like you mentioned, the Flyers being really good at blocking shots, I think we might have seen a point or even a goal from Brandy here tonight. I thought he was excellent. Man, he didn't like it's not about having a, a rocket of a shot back there. You got to get it through. And yeah. and you know, Shabbat 
I mean, it's it's a tough game to kind of analyze the blue line and their shots and stuff like that. But Brandy got the shots through. Like he moves pucks. Who said? I think it was Josh Norris, eh? Yeah, a couple of years Brandy ago, moves Brandy, pucks. Brandy moves pucks, and that's all that matters. Um, yeah, I've, I've been really happy with his play, uh, and I, I can't I can't sit here and tell you that he's better than Shabbat, but it's it's been eleven games now, and I think he has been better overall um, than the top top defenseman on the team. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement for sure. I, w- I would slot him under Sanderson right now for this team's power ranking of uh, yeah. how the defensemen have played so far. And we're, we're coming up to the end of the postcast here, but I feel like it would be remiss kind of if, if you're not talking about number 22, you're talking about DJ Smith. And if the seat is getting warmer on his chair on the bench there now, I, I know how I feel about it, but uh, I'll hand things over to you, Jack. Uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it. We won't go too long on this, but just get uh, a feeler out here and your opinion on it. Where are you at with DJ Smith? How long is his leash for you? It gets really short this week, I think, right? Like I, I'm a huge DJ Smith guy. Um, I like the way he communicates. He's great in the media very perceptive he sees the game the way it happens um you just at the end of the day like it's a results-based business and they're failing right now and that's three straight years where they're well under 500 a few games into the year it just you can't no matter how well the team likes him like these are all young guys they're eventually going to learn that this is a business um and i i think like they play Vancouver on Tuesday, like that to me will be the last straw if they can't find a way to win that game. And even if they do, it's like they need to string together wins. Yes. This is an easy yeah. part of the schedule. Um, they can't just win two and then lose another four, obviously, because then they're out of it. Uh, so I'm the seat is definitely warm and I'm getting a bit fed up with the way things are going because it's just a rinse repeat every time. For me, the biggest thing is is playing number 22. Like it, it seems painfully obvious to whether you're an analytics or an eye test guy or or girl like it seems painfully obvious that he should not be getting the usage that he is or usage at all like let's just be clear here so that's the most frustrating part for me I'm not as kind of uh, tight leashed as everybody else is on DJ Smith here I know it's been tough a five game losing streak is absolutely brutal and this team is supposed to be past that and DJ Smith has been known for his bad starts say what you want about the roster but it's a it's a continuing trend, unfortunately. The starts of the year have not been good. And then they find a way to turn it up at the end of the year, but too little, too late. So we can't have that happening again. I think the thing is, this is Dorian's guy, right? Like Dor- yeah. Dorian chose him. I think if I if I'm not mistaken, he did recently. DJ Smith that is sign an extension. So I don't know if they want to fire him this early into the season. And it's a results-based business. You're right. And I'm not making excuses for DJ Smith, but man, these games are damn close. And I there's know, a lot of, like when you have Shabbat not playing up to his standards, Debrinket is shooting at like 3% success rate. You yeah. lose Norris, Zub's out, Talbot is finally healthy. Like I know these are all excuses, but it just seems like the team is so close and they're, they're going to reach that tipping point soon in my mind. And they have to reach it soon. Otherwise, they're, they're out of the playoffs by the end of November like they have been every year. And so for me, I know maybe it seems crazy, but I'm giving him a couple more weeks here. And the thing is, you can be pissed off and fire your coach. Cool. That's great. Who's going to replace him? That's the thing, mm. right? Like if you got an obvious guy, and I love Troy Mann, but I don't know if he's like, do you, bring, do you fire DJ Smith, a first-time NHL head coach, just to bring in another first-time NHL head coach? 
I'm not exactly sure that's the answer. Now, Troy Mann has uh, has a reputation with these a lot of these guys playing uh, in Belleville under his helm. So there's the choice there. But I'm not exactly sure that uh, any of the guys that are available right now, coaches, would be jumping at the chance to coach this team. And I, and I say that literally. I don't know if that yeah. if that's the case, right? So. For me, I'm trying to keep a cool head here, but it is getting tough. Like the, I got I got my panic button in the drawer here, Jack, and that drawer can easily be open. Like it's not tucked away; it's it's available now. The panic button for me. So, I, I think this month is going to be crucial for not only the Ottawa Senators but for DJ Smith's career. So, just before we wrap up, because we could talk about DJ Smith all night, you know. Yeah. Like my thing is is if you're Pierre, and I think. A lot of people have put out the 20 game mark as kind of yeah. a bench. Uh, so that would that would be in two or three weeks, I think. Yeah. And I feel like that's fair. Like that's a quarter of the season. Right. Okay. Yeah. But my, my thing is, is you're already in a hole right now. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that you hire a new coach and it's going to be, oh, they're a top three team in the division. But, you know, at what point is the season lost? Like yeah. last year they were, it's I fair. mean, they were just above 500 after November last year. And because they kind of struggled in March and everything like that. But, um, they were out of it. Like they were dead last in the league after November. You can't, you can't let it snowball like that. And I, I guess you're, you got to bank on it not happening. Yeah. Like not being one 11 and one in, in one month. But to me, it's like, you have to make, I hope you could bank on that. My God. <laughs> well, man, I mean, they're already owing three. It's not looking good. Yeah. It's not looking it's like, good. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, 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 uh, it doesn't get any easier, I don't think. And you know, you got a hungry Vancouver team who, who, like, look, we were in this position last year. Vancouver was down bad. They yeah. came into Ottawa yeah. and like oh, the wheels off of them. That was rock bottom. It's the same thing. Like, I swear they're playing the same teams in the same month all the time. They played Vegas and like the same True. day. It's crazy. So I don't know. I don't want to fire him. I don't know. Like, it would just be to me because I think a lot of it's personnel based. Like you said, Shabbat's not playing well. Debrinket's been kind of mid, I think I'd say. Like, I don't think he's been crazy good. Um, and you know, there's little mistakes that are costing you. Like, do you just fire him to send a message to this yeah. group and be like, look, guys, like, wake up. You're making millions of dollars uh and you guys aren't executing. Like, I don't know if that's the message Dorian wants to send, but there's there's gonna be a point this month for me when it's a lost season. And I'm not there yet. I think a, a, another week of sub 500 hockey will will get you there and and i mean that's fair and you gotta emphasize that when you take a look at this atlantic division is not last year's atlantic division and the eastern conference is tough this year so sure like if you do league standings they're not dead last they're in the mid-20s but who cares where the western teams are if your chance of getting to the playoffs relies on beating atlantic division teams and eastern conference teams like the philadelphia flyers who that is a weak roster that you should be able to beat up on and yep. they don't get it done. So another frustrating game for the Ottawa centers as they are now the losing streak continues to five games, three straight games of one goal losses. They cannot find a way to score on the six on five. Again, it's tough. It's tough out here for sense fans, but thank you so much to everyone that joined. We got around 162 people here. The chat has been firing off. It's, it may not be positive, but it's never a dull day in Sensland, uh, as as we know for sure. So for myself, Brandon Pillar, for Jack Richardson of the Future Sickos podcast, we thank you guys for joining the postcast. It's your team every day. <laughs>